The following show contains adult content. It's not our intent to offend anyone, but we want to inform you that if you are a child under the age of 18 or get offended easily, this next show may not be for you. The content, opinions, and subject matter of these shows are solely the choice of your show hosts and their guests, and not those of the Entertainment Network or any affiliated stations. Any comments or inquiries should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening. everybody hello 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 welcome to the jimmy star show with ron russell bringing you the good times in music fashion pop culture and entertainment we got a fun show for you today we got lots of stuff to talk about because we've had a very busy week and uh before we get started let's say hi to everybody starting off with my cool outrageous man about town mr ron russell there's not much (coughs) there's not much left of me i don't know what you're gonna get out of me today but we'll give it a shot baby and we got the man behind the boards, Mr. Chad Murphy. Loving the set. It's like story time with Ron and Jim. No, I feel like it's in 1944 when President Roosevelt used to do the fireside uh, lecture speeches. <laughs> right. And he'd sit there like an old crumb bun that he was. And he'd tell America how wonderful it was and how great it's going to be. Kind of like Donald Trump, you know. Okay. But anyway, look what happened with the house. Wow. I like it. Looks good. Then we've no, not, got not my house, Washington. Oh. <laughs> Democratic. Then we have tons oh, yeah. of people in the chat room. What's up, chat room? We have Hannah Clive from England, B. Claudia from the uh, Germany, Illy from Estonia, Dave Hughes from the UK, who Yay. says he's tired and he's getting ready to DJ the biggest event of his life on oh. Sunday, DJing to three thousand people. Congratulations uh, to you, Dave. And uh, I don't know who else because it's going by fast. But what's up, everybody? We got a fun show for you guys today. We have two very talented actors and actresses coming on, uh, Misha Crosby and Lorene Landon. Uh, before that happens, we uh, are going to shoot the shit, I guess. So Ron's going to like tell you something. I don't know. What do you want to tell him about? Don't forget, we went to that great movie. First off, I just want to say that aging is no fucking problem. Uh, you know, fun ride. I mean, aging really blows. I am exhausted, totally exhausted, because we have had, I can't, we went to the Yap Yap party with our dog. Palm Springs, and then we Yappy ran, Hour. And then Yappy Hour, and then we ran from that event to, I forgot, oh. To L.A. To Los Angeles to do what? We went to go see the premiere of Accelerator. Oh, we went to see Accelerator, which I loved, by the way. It's a wonderful movie, and I suggest that everybody go see it. It's really funny and campy and wild and good. Very reminiscent of the 1960 Bond movies, but I enjoyed it. And, and it course, starts Sean Young. Well, John James was there, who we know, and it was so sweet to see John James again. He was from Dynasty, if you all remember the gorgeous hunk from Dynasty. Well, he's still a gorgeous And the hunk. Colbys. And the Colbys. Now he's just a little older. And his lovely daughter, Laura, who is in the film. She's a beautiful, tall girl who won the Model Award. She won America's Next Top Model season. I don't know which one. This is why I have no brain. Two years ago. This is why I have no brain. Because I start a sentence and he completes it. That's what marriage is all about. I'm sure people out there know that. 
you start to say something, your husband continues or the wife continues, like your brain did. But anyway. That's not true, though. I actually, because you said the model contest, which means I was nothing. Going to, I, but I was going <laughs> to go into the title, oh. but you jump-started me again. I'm going to beat you with the microphone in two <laughs> minutes, and then I'm going to commit suicide on oh. this. Oh, God, I shouldn't even say that. But I'm going to have a nervous breakdown on the set. But anyway, um, then it was so nice meeting uh, Sean Young. Mm -hmm. She's a lovely girl, very sweet, very nice. We hit it off. We made friends. She said when she comes to Palm Springs, she's going to give us a call. So that'll be fun having her at the house, maybe on the show. You never know. Then from there, where did we go? I'm exhausted. Then we drove home and got home at like two in the morning. Right. And then we had to get up to go to my shoot. No, Gay Pride was Sunday. So no, we, you're way too, too fast. We went to dinner. Oh, oh Friday, night. On Friday night. Liz Lauren threw a dinner party at Oscar's nightclub in Palm Springs for Marcy Weiner. Marcy Weiner was the number one uh, interviewer of the 1950s of all the great legends of Hollywood. And she's a friend of mine. And she also writes for The Hollywood Reporter. So we had a lovely, lovely dinner there. And we saw a show. And then we left there, went home and collapsed. And then what? And then... So then, uh, sun Saturday we we thought it was Sunday, and well, we went to go the gay gay pride. Oh, yeah. oh, we went to gay pride. We went to gay pride on Saturday, and did that stuff. And then Saturday night, where'd we go? Saturday night we went to bed because we had to get up at four o'clock in the morning. Right. To go to L.A. See, I have no memory. Anyway, we got. We got in fast because it was Sunday. We got to L.A. in an hour forty minutes, which usually takes longer than that. Uh, you know, it's um, 100 miles to Los Angeles from Palm Springs. So we got there, and uh, we were early, and uh, we met the cast. It was very nice. I went into wardrobe, hair and makeup, got ready. I was dressed as a minister, but we're not allowed to talk about the movie, so I can't tell you anything about it until they give us the okay. Why? I have no idea, but that's how they do things today. Years ago, you did a, did a movie. Before you even did it, you did what was called pre-publicity. Uh, now they keep everything a secret. Maybe it's because, like, the cops are chasing them because the back is a mafia or something. I don't know. But anyway, we're not supposed to say anything. But in the meantime, you were on set with some fabulously talented, fun people. Yes, and I was really exhausted because I worked about 12 hours standing up as the minister, going over the same lines over and over again, and I couldn't remember them because I got so bored with it. I, I went into a coma, sort of like, you know, I'm not interested in doing this. I don't want to be here, which is exactly what I was. But being an actor, I had to act and pretend that I was enjoying it and doing it correctly, but I wasn't doing it correctly. My acting was good, but I did forget the lines. Hey, listen, I might go on Adderall or something. You know, I have to go see somebody about uh, my memory not being as sharp as it was. But I'm sure everyone out there that's my age has a similar uh, problem. But the film is going to be a good film. Sadie Katz, who's the star, is a fabulous actress. Uh, as I wrote, and we've had her on the show a bunch of times. Everybody knows her and, and loves her. As I've wrote on Facebook, uh, there's a scene which I can't discuss where Sadie gets a jolt 
or let's say a shocking piece of news and her performance was incredible she began to shake her body was shimmering and her face i mean it was just an i started to almost cry because i was standing right there as the minister and i just thought it was brilliant what she did um it was a very nice experience except we had to we, we ran long and we had to shoot the next day the office scene and that's where I'm in, and it's an important scene. So Jimmy and I drove back to Palm Springs, got home at like some ungodly hour, had another one. Home at ten. Another, went to bed. Another one or two hours sleep, and then the next day drove in. It took us four and a half hours to get to L.A. Six automobile accidents on Route 10. Fog that was so thick you couldn't see the car in front of you. And that bitch in the t- in the car, that slut tramp whore, I hate her. What does she call that machine in our car, that Surrey bitch? Oh, Siri. <laughs> Siri. Siri, she's such a piece of work. She routed us all the way around the L.A. basin and then brought us back down into 10, where we were originally on, to get caught in more traffic to get off at downtown L.A. So it was a nightmare. The studio's calling, where are you? I wanted to say, oh, fuck you, I don't care where I am. Oops, I'm not supposed to say that. But anyway, you know, you're stressed in the car. You don't need more stress from people waiting for you. Anyway, I got there 15 minutes late, which was no big deal, <clears throat> because the star didn't get there till 20 minutes after me. I ran into makeup, and I screamed, quick, beat my face, hair, quick, slick it back, wardrobe quick dress me up and i was on the set and we began to film but i was out of my mind with exhaustion i mean i was falling asleep could you while they were setting up and you know changing lighting and camera i was sitting at the desk absolutely falling asleep so at one point i went and sat in a chair on a break and one of the crew came over and said sir are you okay i said well i look like i died because <laughs> i'm old <laughs> i was sleeping i said no i'm sleeping i said what'd you think i had a stroke and dropped dead so they treated me very nicely on the set with a lot of patience and uh like i was uh, betty white maybe or something uh, i guess they don't really have people my age in film anymore but we're coming back and we will be in film we then uh, what happened after that? We I, I went into a coma. I slept the whole trip. Then we just hung out in the trailers. Oh, yeah, we hung out. Ron had his own trailer, Chad. Wow. Yeah. With my name on the door. Wasn't that cute? Big star. What, a trailer? You had to see the size of it. It was the size of a closet with a toilet. Uh-huh. I know. Well, it was like a big, long trailer with eight little trailer with eight little rooms in it. Yeah, I mean, I had a sofa that you could fit two people on <laughs> and a toilet right next to it. So it was good. If you had to go, you could just slide over. You wouldn't even have to stand up. But the trailer was tiny and cute. Sadie Katz, the star, she had a bigger trailer with a bigger sofa, but her toilet bowl was also next to her sofa. Hers was only bigger because the two of them opened up their doors right. in between made, and made, made the, a bigger one. They made the two. So Sadie Katz was there, you guys, and we got to meet Augie Duke, who's one of my favorite actresses. I was so excited to meet her. And um, uh, the male, one of the male leads is Gianni Capaldi, who is a great actor who's got great credits, and he was in it, and Tiffany Fest who was in our Around the Table with Ron and Jibby, our first episode. So there was really like a lot of really cool people uh, involved in in the film, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to go to the rap party in a couple weeks. Yeah, and you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, because when I first met Johnny and he came on the set, I didn't care for him much. I thought he was very, very uppity. Very much he's the star, and he wasn't very nice. 
And I said to Jimmy, this one's got to go. But what am I going to do? I got to work with him. So I got to, you know, be smiley and nice. Well, by the end of the shoot, I went over to him and I hugged him. And I said, you are by far one of the most generous actors I have ever worked with. He was the most loving, sweet, tender man. He cared for me when I screwed up a line. He came over and he was just gentle about it. He was absolutely the, the best professional of all. So you see, you can't judge somebody. I guess when he comes new on a set, he was maybe tired or, you know, or he, for whatever. I think he might have just flown in from England, too. Right. So you can't, like, right away make opinions about people. Give people a chance. Give them a shot. Let's see what they're all about. Then make your decision. But I, I love the guy. I think he's a great actor. I'd love to work with him again. He's a, a really terrific person. Nice human being. It's going to be fun. I can't wait for the movie to come up. And Oh, by and, the way, he's coming on our show. And pretty soon we're going to be going to see uh, the red carpet premiere of Hanukkah. And both Caroline Williams and Sadie Katz are both in it, and it is the Chad. You get this one. It's the first slasher film, a Jewish, done by like a uh, what do you call a rabbi? <laughs> it's gonna be. I think the rabbi might be the killer, or we something. I don't not, even we're know. Not supposed to tell. No, I don't even know. No, but that's good. So let's not tell. Would but the trailer, it? you guys, is on YouTube. You guys, it's so called, watch the trailer on it's YouTube. Called Hanukkah. Like it's called Han Hanukkah, Han starring oh, Hanukkah. Sid Haig, Caroline Williams, Sadie Katz, um, the girl from. Uh, the girl from Carrie is in it. Uh, PJ Souls. Uh, it's got a really fun horror movie cast. And it's going to be fun. We're going to have uh, the whole cast on our show when they, they get release time, when they're allowed to do it. But uh, Caroline Williams is totally naked, and she's in a bathtub taking a mitzvah in blood. So that should be blech. Kind of like That's those in the picture. They have a Hanukkah picture that we've yeah, been putting out everywhere. Yeah, kind of sexy but horrible. Caroline Williams has the body of death. I mean, she's got a body, not an ounce of fat, shapely, beautiful bones with skin over them. So she's got legs for days and ass that's gorgeous. Her boobs are beautiful. She's a was we saw her in panties and a bra. We guys get to see everything. <laughs> Gay guys. While we were changing clothes for a movie she was shooting. And... Um, Stunning body, beautiful girl. Absolutely. So we got to so call go our first guest. So go see the film, you, you pervy little men out there who like to see nudity. <laughs> there just, you go. Just to see Caroline Williams sliding around. Dave Hughes says to quit mentioning Sadie Katz. He's having wet dreams, and he wants to be in the movie in any of the bedroom scenes. <laughs> you know what, Dave? There was a time I would have fixed you up with Sadie. But Sadie He's Katz, married. That doesn't. Oh, he is? Yeah. A dirty pig. He's you, married, and, don't, <laughs> and Sadie Katz has a boyfriend. Sadie Katz may be getting engaged soon. So that's it for Sadie. She's taken by a terrific guy named Miles, who we love a lot. Yes, in blood, Pat. So we're going to call our first guest, you guys. While we're trying to get him on the line, we're going to play American High Shake Calvo. How's that, Chad? Sounds good to me. All righty. So, everybody, here's American High Shake Calvo. It's a great song. Hope you guys enjoy it. And while we're uh, playing it, we're going to get Misha Crosby on the line. Prohibition ushered in a period of violence. Gang wars and tommy guns were the byword of the day. Speakeasy sprang up all over the land and the police had to seek them out. Now here they follow a tip. The plans are made for a raid. The question is, is it a real tip or a phony? They'll soon find out.
All right, fellas, we are back. <laughs> All right, everybody. So um, that was American High Shake Calvo. Before we get started, we have uh, Misha Crosby on the line. We want him to say hi to make sure we can hear him. Hello, hello. Yeah, there you go. Now you're looking at us, so that looks good. Okay. Um, uh, so everybody, now we're gonna like introduce him. So we want to welcome to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, the incredibly talented actor, producer, editor, Misha Crosby. Hello and welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, let me introduce you to everybody, starting off with my cool, outrageous man about town co-host, Mr. Ron Russell. Hi. Now I've got you're a very handsome man. And oh. you look exactly like an actor from the 1940s. And his name was Turon Bay. Now, you should look up Turon Bay. Later. <laughs> he, was, he, was one of, he always played uh, a, a magician or somebody very uh, uh, magical. He was always a mystical look, but a good-looking man. But you're a good-looking man, too, so you're an actor. Yeah, well, I'll take all of that. I do not know to whom you're referring, but I'll uh, I will look him up a, a little yeah, later. Turan Bay, I think he was. They used to pass him off as a Hindu, Indian, but he wasn't. I think he was like Jewish from Brooklyn or something. <laughs> but they, they used to you know, back in those days. They used to dress you up and say you were this and that, and you were never that. Right. But anyway, so what films? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. We're gonna like finish our introductions. We gotta introduce him to the man behind the boards, Mr. Chad Murphy. Mr. Crosby, welcome. Thank you. you got nice that to, uh, Nice to meet with you, Chad. You got that and place then... padded like a crazy room. Yes, <laughs> that uh, that is one way of describing it. This uh, a bit of editing goes on in here, some voiceover, and uh, Makes it nice and dead. Keeps yeah. The, uh, yeah, keeps uh, keeps the echo down to as much of a minimum as Very possible. Very cool. So we've got we've got a chat room full of people right now. We have uh, lots of people from England. We have Germany, Estonia, Australia, Canada, the United States. So just say hi to everybody in the chat room. Hello, everyone in the chat room. Thank you for being there. There you go. And um, for all you guys who who remember uh, all the different guests that we've had, uh, Misha came as a as a referral. From Janae Alt, you guys remember her. She's like, she was on, it was probably like two years ago when we had her on, but she's like an actress who's smoking like one of the hottest girls like in Hollywood. She's super nice and fabulous. We had a great time with her, and uh, she's a lot of fun. So he came as a referral from her, and we were on a set this weekend. Ron was shooting a film this weekend, and one of the people on there saw the picture on my phone that you were coming on the show, and she was like, oh, my God, I love Mr. Crosby. He's so cool. He's so handsome. He's so nice. He's so talented. And that was Augie Duke. So Augie Duke oh, says Augie. hi. And she's, she's a sweetie pie. I love her. Augie's cool. wonderful. And she's like, my gosh, that girl works. I cannot turn around all, without seeing her in another indie movie. Yes. All the, all the time. All the time. And but she's she, so she's fabulous. She's been working since she's a kid. Uh, the reason why my energy is very low and my voice is bad is because we shot all week and I'm exhausted. And now I really am sort of sleeping on my own show, <laughs> which is terrible. But, you know, you know, when you're uh, movied out, do you ever get that movied out? Well, yeah. it, it's enough already with the lights, the makeup, the bullshit, the having to say <laughs> things. One more fucking line I have to read. I'll commit suicide for sure. I just want to like today, I wanted to go like, because we live in Palm Springs and it's beautiful. I wanted to go float in the pool with a nice dirty martini and relax. But here I, I am working. Two hours I, I have feel to you. Listen, like, <clears throat> the official line is, of course, incredibly grateful to do that job. It's an amazing thing to be able to be on set and do something creative. However, 
you know, sometimes just being in a booth where nobody can freaking see you, no makeup, nothing like this, and just doing voiceover is the most amazing thing in the world, you know, so. 40 years ago, I couldn't wait to get on a set. I couldn't wait to go to work. I loved it. I was all about it. I was talking about it. I was all over the set meeting Rock Hudson and meeting all the people up at Universal. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a thrill. Now, it's a factory. Mm. All right. I Is that no because you've changed or you think the, uh, the way it's been shot has changed? The industry has changed. And don't forget, I was in major motion pictures with big studios, Universal, okay? Or Warner Brothers. Yeah. Now I'm doing low-budget indies. Right. So there is a tremendous difference uh, in the atmosphere. His first film was with Tab Hunter and Sophia Loren. He's yeah. older than he looks. Uh, <laughs> I started working in 1959 when I was 19 years old. And that wow. was, the, I mean, my first star was Sophia Loren. I mean, how do you beat that? I never, ha I never have, and I've worked with Jackie Smith and and uh, Farrah Fawcett, and I've worked with uh, a lot of. He's people. not even old enough to know who any of those people are. <laughs> I've heard of uh, many of these people, but yes. You never heard of uh, uh, what? What were those three broads show called? I used to be on Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels. <laughs> heard of them. And they were beautiful people, and the, just the studio was different. The whole treatment was different. The whole mentality was different. Uh, the professionalism was beyond belief. Uh, indie films tend to be not the same quality. I think. Not all was, of them. I mean, with uh, with money comes certain standards. With that, a lot of the time, and um, you know, also the, the the group of people that uh, you choose to to work with. But when there's been a race to the bottom, it seems for those kind of levels. And there's so many ultra low budget movies going on, and which is you know, movies shot for less than a hundred thousand dollars. And you think, well, where does that go? That would be, you know, the budget for maybe the uh, the food for a few days on a on a, yes. on a show or uh, or, uh, or anything else. And so. And of course, that, that, that scales accordingly, but I would say that out of that, you still get these gems that manage to emerge regardless. And whether the experience, you know, behind the scenes of that is, you know, like shuttled back to your trailer by the AD and, you know, and uh, taken care of as, as well, you know, that, that's, that, that remains to be seen as a different thing. However, like sometimes the work that emerges from those sets is amazing. It's just like getting there can be... Uh, be a little more, uh, a little more rough around the edges. Absolutely. No, but what, I think what I felt most. Well, I'm 78 years old, yeah. and I think I felt like I was the oldest creature in the planet. And everybody <laughs> there was kids. They're all kids for me. They're 33. They're 37. 40 is probably the oldest. And they're like my my daughters are those ages. Mm. So I really didn't have any camaraderie. You know, in the old days, Except I for the be, DP. You guys got along great. Oh, I love the DP. Oh, the DP. Oh, I'm telling you, this this DP was old gent from England. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, did he know his stuff. I just kept telling him, you are so refreshing. I love the work you do. He just knew. He did a shot on me that the director was against and he fought for that shot and when the shot was done practically everybody on the set wanted to applaud it. It was so wonderful. Um, he was the best DP. He was probably from the old days because his work was that sort of work. Alfred Hitchcockian, you know, uh, mm. He'd like those set, those shots that were just not television shots. Yeah. So, but I found myself to be, you know, of course, I know Sadie Katz. She's my other, like, adopted daughter. Actually, I, I bet he her. knows Sadie. Do you know Sadie Katz? 
Did he cast? No, I do not know, but heard of. Okay. I mean, and, and, Actually, the, and Audra was wonderful. Augie, so, Augie. Augie, Augie. So, I mean, I was around a lot of sweet kids. But Actually, I, there was Gianni Caraboldi, I think his name is. He's Caraboldi. from the UK also. Gianni Caraboldi. Again, these names make, uh, they're making headway. I'm great with faces. Not yeah, so great I am too. I yeah. just like that. So I got a bunch of people in the chat room. Number one, everybody, he's in LA right now, but they want to know because all the UK people want to know where you're from when you were in the UK. So I grew up uh, in North London, just off the Holloway Road, which means uh, I am a pretty big Arsenal fan, which also means I wake up for a lot of pain and suffering around 5 a.m. <laughs> on, uh, on a Saturday morning. Uh, although this, this actually changed a little, little recently. So uh, I, have, uh, I have hope. We got a new manager in and uh, very, very tribal around uh, that part of uh, the world. I mean, there's, uh, there's another rival club, Tottenham Hotspur, and if I had... Decided to have supported them. I might not uh, have lived quite as long. So, <laughs> well, all the people in the UK, like, because we have a huge audience in the UK, mm -hmm. and um, uh, so you guys, for all of you guys who watch BBC television, uh, Misha was on the TV show Holby City, and also Holly Oaks, which Holly Oaks I know is a really big deal, just because. I watch like uh, X Factor UK. I watch all these different things on YouTube, and they're always talking about Holly Oaks. So I know that that one's actually a really big deal. I don't know about Holby City, but um, he was in both of those, you guys, when he was a little bit younger. Now he moved to the U.S. And um, he uh, also another thing I found very impressive with your resume is that you like play the violin, and that you're like some kind of violin virtuoso. And at like 14 years old, you were like packing arenas and stuff. <laughs> wow, I um. I started playing pretty young. My dad's uh, my dad's a musician, and uh, he uh, he encouraged me to play an instrument from a really young age. And I um, you know I took to that until I was a teenager. And then uh, you know it was it was one of those where I, I was I was very lucky. I uh, I got to go to a great school off the back of my violin. The scholarship paid for a lot of those fees, um, but I had to perform quite a lot. And um, at a certain point. I kind of around 18 when I left school, I kind of I put that violin away in a uh, in a closet and didn't touch it for a little bit because it wasn't really on my own terms. But uh, you know, after a little bit, it was actually Holby City. Funny enough, that show you mentioned they they needed uh, somebody to play the violin uh, to come in and play the son of one of the major characters, and it kind of you know it got me a bit of a break out there, and I was really grateful for it. And uh, were you Kieran? Was your character name Kieran? Yeah, they're, so, they're writing it in the chat room. They're like, "Oh yeah, he was Kieran." <laughs> yeah, that was. This is a little while ago now. I mean, that's uh, it's probably about ten years, if not a little more. Which is, uh, yeah, which is crazy that people uh, people remember that. Thank you for the people who remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Now a little mm. bit about you. <clears throat> Are you married? No, not married. Do you have any children? <laughs> No, <laughs> you know. Do you have a dog? <laughs> do I have a Do I have a mom? No, do you have a dog? I hope you have I, a mom. Yeah, no, I got a mom. Uh, no, uh, no dog. I had uh, I had cats for uh, for most of my life. In, in fact, me and my ex, we had uh, cats together. Which uh, now with uh, her, I go and uh, look after them whenever uh, she goes out of town. One of them still hasn't forgiven me for for uh, for not being there, but uh, maybe one day she'll get over it. Well, what happened between you and your ex? You seem to be a nice guy and good looking, and so why why would she not still be with you? Give me a little bit of gossip. He uh, traded out. A little bit up. behind the cut. We were together for uh, for about seven years, which uh, in this town, as you know, is, is, is quite a long time. Um, it's quite a long time outside of this town, but. Um, <laughs> 
we uh, you know like we we decided mutually to to part ways. It just um, you know she's still a very uh, very important part of my life in many ways. We're still friends. Uh, I still call her. She works for uh, an organization called the ISA, the International Screenwriters Association, and she vets screenplays there, which is amazing for me uh, when uh, I'm looking for new material because I can call her and say, hey, what you got? What's the best stuff? And so. We talk a little bit still work-wise, and you know, all our friends are still so interconnected, so we still see each other a lot. Oh, that's and nice. That's did nice. You, did you know in our country, yeah. seven, a seven-year relationship is called common law? Right. And that's as good as a marriage. That's why she got the, like that's why she got the dogs. <laughs> yes, after seven years, it's you, you can really you know claim a palimony or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, fortunately, I don't think either of us had enough to worry about to claim it for each other. <laughs> so in the chat room, they're saying that you need to cough as you say Arsenal and jiggle his glasses. It's a British joke. I don't get it, so maybe you will. Yeah, cough and jiggle his glasses. I'm quite sure about that. I mean, hey, maybe maybe this little thing, I, I, I could do it. I don't have to. <laughs> but, uh, like, uh, who, who does that person support? I don't know. Hannah Clive, who do you support? Hannah Clive is a really uh, talented British singer. And uh, Dave Hughes is saying, yeah, it was a little bit more than 12 years, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Dave Hughes can get bitchy at times. They're all laughing and doing it in fun, though. It's all done in in total fun. Um, Okay, so let's talk a little bit about she's probably going to answer. I think she's still in there. Um, Mm -hmm. So you did Hobie, Hobie City and Hollyoaks. Um, you're attached to a new show that I guess is not out yet, but it looks really cool, Children of the Machine. Um, yeah, Marco Weber, the uh, the producer of, uh, he did a movie called Igby Goes Down, and he was involved in uh, Brooklyn's Finest. Uh, with yeah, Ethan Brooklyn's Hawk. Finest is good. Yeah, and he's, I mean, uh, Marco is, uh, you know, he's he's a wonderful writer as well, and he put together this, uh, this series, uh, sci-fi series, it was a few years ago now, and uh, it was going to be uh, sort of independently uh, produced as a, as a show, and then the distribution channel was going to be through, uh, through BitTorrent, which, uh, you know, they have about 170 million monthly active users, which is like numbers that, you know, even, even Ungodly. Most, yeah, most networks can't compete with that. And so uh, everything was really in place, oh, excuse me, not only once, but uh, twice. And in fact, the, uh, the day before... I was uh, about to go up to uh, to Utah. We had this cast dinner planned, and I was meeting some of the other members of the cast. I think um, it was it uh, uh, Bella Thorne's sister was in there, Kaylee Thorne, and uh, a few others who I uh, love and, Bella Thorne. Attached. Right, okay. but uh, she was just in. It's it's weird. I was just looking down. My friend did a movie uh, called Ride that premiered at the LA Film Festival. Met rest in peace. It just uh, she went out. Uh, and I went to go uh, see that premiere a couple, uh, maybe about three, four weeks ago. It was great. Um, and uh, yeah, if, you, if uh, anybody uh, is interested in seeing a movie about a, uh, a robbery in an Uber, it's, uh, it's well worth a watch. Uh, Jeremy did, uh, did a great job with his directorial uh, feature debut. But uh, no, back to Ooh. Children of the Machine. So yeah, no, I was, uh, I was uh, getting ready to go out to this cast dinner. We were going out to a restaurant in... Uh, LA and I got a call from my agent and I said hey sin I can't really uh, talk right now I'm just about to go meet the rest of the uh, the cast and she said uh, Misha I don't think that's happening oh I no said, I said what and she said sit down 
Uh oh. I said, okay. And then she proceeded to tell me that one of like the major finance groups of the uh, of the show had uh, uh, had broken their contract, and that like I don't know a hundred people up in Utah who had already set up uh, pre production and uh, in Los Angeles and were told to stop work immediately, and they were like trying to put it all back together. And that was the last I heard on that. And uh, so we will see. I hope it comes back around because the role was freaking amazing. It was like it was something I was, I was thoroughly excited to do. And um, uh, we'll see. You know, these things can come back around. It's still a really relevant story uh, set in uh, sort of a not too distant future, 2039, um, where uh, we're all kind of jacked in, as it were, to, uh, to the internet up here. I'm sorry. That's terrible. What happened to contracts? Oh, there was a contract, and no, uh, it, was actually pay, it was pay or play as well. It was probably more money. I mean, it was you know if, it was a series regular deal for a whole season, so it was uh, it was a good chunk of change. And yeah, is that but thing, I hear, you really I, want to sue the people that you want to do the job with? It's one of those. I hear this all the time. The production that I was on, there was also some financial difficulty. I heard this about. There's two more. I have two films. Th actually, I have three films coming up. I'm doing uh, one film. We were ready to go a couple of weeks ago, but the finances fell through. And mm -hmm. I said, "Don't they have years ago? What was it called, Jimmy? When they used to have to sign the thing, a, a commitment? They have to sign those commitments. So I, I mean, guess they're easy how, to wait, get out of. How do you, how do you, <laughs> no, but wait a minute. I mean. You, it's that thing. Hang on, hang somebody on, hang doesn't. On. Oh, sorry. If you cast a film like you just told us, yeah, and you've got actors and people waiting, and then you back out, that's bullshit. How could how could that? You have to sue them or something. They that can't get away with that. <laughs> Listen, you know, I, you're people. You're not you're not dolls. Paper I dolls. feel you. I mean, it, it was. It, trust me, it, it wasn't an easy thing because at the time, because it was a pay or play, I'd actually bought a new car and we'd kind of moved into a different apartment because I was going to be going away for about six months. So my girlfriend at the time, I didn't want to leave her where we were. We kind of, we'd, we'd set up a, a whole load of new things. And then, you know, uh, then the, uh, the money never showed. Now, listen, it wasn't is it the responsibility of those producers? I mean, yes, but they had had commitments broken by them, so it just kicks the can down the it's line. Like a, yeah, it's a yeah, line. But couldn't you sue for breach of contract? I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, it could have sued, but if the company does not have the money, you're suing essentially for, for nothing at that point. Now, maybe could we have got something down there? At the time, I was also of the belief that, listen, the show would come back around, and I didn't really want to sue the people I, uh, I hoped to have, you know, a uh, working no, relationship with. No, 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 but, but couldn't, you, couldn't you sue the finances, the people who were financing? The, the finances, it's, it wasn't something I explored more than all, all of that at the time, and uh, it's probably something maybe too much time has passed now, I don't know. I mean, I've, to be honest, it was like everybody probably has a story somewhat similar who's been in this town for long enough about you yeah. know, financing falling through. Oh, we have, a, we have yeah, all kinds of them. I would have got the money, believe me. I would have called... <laughs> Everybody else I around me called, told me. Listen, I'm from Brooklyn. I would have called some old friends. They would have put a hit on him. And you would have watched <laughs> how fast he would have came across with the cash. <laughs> yeah. or, he, or, he, or he'd be floating in the East River. I uh, love it. Only kidding. I think that stinks, and I think this is what's wrong with the business nowadays. Years ago, the studios had the bucks. Your film made the money to make the next film. That's why if they used to say you're, you're uh, bucks poison, you know. If you don't bring in the bucks with your film, you're out. But 
today that we have to, and most of it is Asian money, I understand. It comes from Vietnam, comes from Korea, Japan, and China. And I don't think they really give a damn about what's going on here. They're just interested in owning and, and making money. I don't think they're creative people that want the film to be because of whatever. Well, of it's course, a, they all want it. That's all financial. Just want to no, no, make no, no, money. No, no, no. Years ago, I I've met a lot of people in my day that were uh, people that were like lawyers and doctors who were putting in uh, 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 what we call in those days carriages of two hundred fifty thousand apiece to build up the amount of money to get to the well. But but back in those days, I mean, look at the the, the Night of the Living Dead was made for sixty thousand dollars, and it's mm. a classic film today. So back our budgets back then were not what they are today. I mean. A million dollar budget was Cleopatra with Elizabeth. Right. Taylor. I mean, but everything scaled just because of the inflation of right. things. Sure, but but um, when the when the studio had the bucks, <clears throat> they never quit a film because they, they usually quit a film because the actor who was signed into the film became a, a prima donna and was difficult. That's right. when they had a can of film quickly cut it, but right. never finances like I hear now. Now every right, Jimmy. Well, I mean, I had a film that I had already all, everything all done and I had all the financing set up and. Right mm -hmm. before we started pre-production, it fell, and I had done, and I had worked my, I worked my ass off for six months. And we had, I a green, believe it. We had, we had, I, a, we, uh, we, we had a green light. Yeah, uh, it's it, listen, it's it's part and parcel, I think, of what you know. As I said, most people have had to deal with with it. We <laughs> had been working on a movie for about four years with uh, my partner uh, Jared Roxborough, who I just shot another film with, and. Uh, many different i mean i could write a book about what we did i mean we ended up driving into the <laughs> middle of the driving into the middle of the desert to go uh, to go pick up a check and then you know the person wasn't there and then we uh, we had numerous promises made from other people and until the money is kind of there in the bank account for the llc created by the film i don't really believe it anymore but you still then have to have faith to sort of move negotiations on as well so it's kind of a tricky Absolutely. side of it um, this whole business stinks because SAG still has not raised the salary of a low-budget film. If I tell you what an actor gets, I mean, I'm not allowed to, but if I told he you... He knows. He's been in those well, films. I, no, I, no. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 no, no, we no, may no, have no, had no. to no, pay on, some actors on. that salary to get some movies made. I'm not saying you. When I say you, I mean the audience. Because, mm. go forget, the audience thinks that because we're in movies, we right. drive Rolls Royce, we live in mansions, and we're rich like Angelina Jolie. No. A, a, a mini, a, a, a small movie that's a, a, a SAG indie. Right. <clears throat> low I, budget. Well, UL, ULB is what the term yeah, is. Yeah, ultra low budget. Yeah, well, that people won't know. We have to speak here like that. <laughs> Yeah, they would know. They get no, it. No, what you think our audiences know what that stands yeah. for? And when you tell it to them, I don't think they understand what a DP stands for. When you say, for. I, I know, but thinking, when you say SAG ultra low budget, they get it. How many people <laughs> in the in the shit room there got it? They got it. They're all. First of all, most of the people who listen to the show are in it. And when we said, and when we said DP, I'm stupid. Director of photography. I know that, but I never. Or in the UK, they it. add the O into that, or we drop the O here, whichever way around you want to put that. And that's uh, yeah, I don't know where that 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 came from. America does just like. Yeah, America right. does it different. But I believe the pay scale is for a low indie budget. It depends on what the low indie budget is. It's like 120 bucks a day. Uh, it depends. Yeah, and that's, that was raised recently as well. It was it was at, a, uh, I believe, 100 maybe it was last year or the year before. The union really fought to get that extra 20 bucks, which is really not going to go all that far, as we know, in this town. But um, Any town. I don't care what. Yeah. 
You know, but, if you want to make movies nowadays, you have to really like love it because the chances are that you're going to become the next Brad Pitt or probably Slim. You have to really enjoy what you're doing. Do it for the love of it, not do it for the fame. You know, and see where it goes because you don't ever know. You never know who's going to be who's going to hit and who's not. Just do the best work you can do and have fun with it. And also, sure. also produce and edit and anything else you got to do while you're trying to make it. Yeah, but mine has become part and parcel of like. What uh, building a career is now as well as like being attached to your own IP, creating and shaping your own uh, intellectual property or, 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 or stories, uh, and really then having a chance and, and a say. Quite frankly, listen, you can go out there in this town, you can go audition for, for, for the biggest movies and the biggest television shows in the world. And uh, you know what? my yeah. politics are this. Yeah. And I know I know Angelina Jolie, so I'm not speaking poorly of Angie. I'm happy Angie got twenty one million dollars. Twenty five million dollars for her last for that stupid Maleficent. For Maleficent, okay? Mm -hmm. That to me is total bullshit. Who the hell is she? And I love her to death. She grew up in my house. She's my daughter's friend. And mm -hmm. Angie, I love you if you get wind of this. Mm -hmm. But sweetheart, nobody in this planet is worth twenty five million dollars. No one. Well, no. That money should that they should not give these stars that kind of money. Let the other workers get it because all of the people that I were in the trailer with were complaining about rent. One of the gals said she moved twenty times because she keeps getting kicked out of apartments for lack of rent. I mean, you know, these actors are struggling and it's really hard. And, and Angie is in France, you know, in her villa with her wine and, and she's having a grand time. <laughs> and Brad Pitt, the same thing. And George Clooney is oh, in... Oh, so let him see it. Take his take well, on it. Wait a minute. George Clooney is in Italy on Lake Cuomo in his mansion. They're having a great time. And my and little... He's made more money off his, uh, off his, of his tequila brand than he's, uh, he's made off movies now. Though. Yes. I mean, yeah, but... now you're right. But what I, no, what I would say, Jimmy, is yes, of course. I mean, is it uh, top-heavy where all the money is? Yes. And it's because what we got down to, when it comes to finances and financing, they don't, there's no emotion behind that. They don't care. It's about the bottom line. And when it comes to even financing, quite frankly, independent movies, you know, looking at between $1 and $5 million on some of those, or you're looking at your studio movies over 100 that kind of ground in between is it's kind of difficult now. Yes, but at, at the at the say the one to five, you know, uh, process by having a a star in inverted commas in there, I mean yes, you pay them more than anybody else, and you, you know you can probably maybe get away with schedule F, which is um, about sixty five thousand dollars on a, you know, an independent film. Uh, if you give them more fat, of a back end fat, point, fat fat chance you get that deal going. <laughs> but exactly, but <laughs> right. And let, but let's but let's just say like the star does take the majority of uh, you know that for for any talent. It's because it's not because somebody's being nice to them or somebody's like, oh, we're going to give this star that because you know we want to. Because generally, what will happen is that you know by having that attachment, you go out to distribution companies, you can get minimum guarantees from different territories, and that forms the the budget along with your tax credits and everything else so is it you know unjust for everybody else absolutely you know i've been in situations where i uh, was told by the director that they wanted me to be in it but it didn't make financial sense for the uh, for the picture and that's of course really difficult uh, and i uh, then tried to put myself in positions where that wouldn't happen or couldn't happen to me and the only way to do that is by being attached to the ip yourself yeah, right. but, but they also yes. take tax 
out of the 120, which really makes me laugh my right. ass off. So they tax you on the 120. Well, that's not them. My, that's my, the government. Listen, <laughs> listen, no, no, no. But that's okay. Listen to me. The film business, to Betty Davis, one of the greatest actresses of our time, probably if not the most famous legend of Hollywood, Betty Davis, worked for crap because she loved the work. Right. And be I knew Betty well. I, I hung with Betty for a while. And I used to talk to her about this. And she'd say, Ron, I'm only happy when I'm working. When I'm not on a set, she said, I don't know what to do with myself. Mm. And she would work for $65,000, the legend Betty Davis in those days. Why don't Angie and Brad and George and Jennifer and the rest of them feel the same That's way? That's still a low budget. So they don't even make movies hardly, though, that are well, in the one minute. to five why, million dollar range. <laughs> well, why don't they say, listen, let's give some of Some the of them do, actually, so I think once some, in a while. Again, some just, so like Jonah Hill, I think, famously did uh, that Scorsese <clears throat> movie that he got the Academy Award nomination for. For, uh, for for schedule F, and so it really I think it depends on the filmmaker. Like uh, again, there are there are actors that do Woody Allen films for this. Are you going to do a studio movie for that? No, and nor should you. It's like at that point, if the studio is paying uh, paying the paycheck, absolutely, I'm taking that money. But uh, you know, some uh, things aren't financed in in a structure that, that that facilitates that. So it's like, yeah, will you do it for this and make some money on the back end if it does? Well, then, for sure, um, I'm, uh, you know, not in uh, a position where I'm, you know, uh, there, there, you know, there. You, you mentioned Angelina Jolie. There are probably, a, you know, people on one or two hands in the world that can command the, that kind of uh, paycheck, and you know, that name recognition is uh, is not to be sneezed at. You know, it's it's, it's a huge thing, and it uh, it puts people on seats and hence you know That's makes true. people feel more uh, comfortable investing you know upwards of 100 million dollars in a in a movie with a with that star behind it so it's, it's all about risk it's all about security so what we're talking about nowadays is name not talent in the 1940s and 50s the actors and we went to see a betty davis movie we didn't know what the hell it was about we had no pre-publicity there was no such thing as media it was in the newspaper or word of mouth your neighbor said go see all about eve with betty davis it was wonderful and we went okay yeah. Today, they buy a name, whether you can act, whether the story's good, whether the movie's good, they don't give a shit. Because I go to a movie, and they, Sophia Loren had a fit because she was cast in a movie that she got killed 20 minutes into the film. And mm -hmm. she hates that movie because they used her name to bring the public in. And mm -hmm. the pub, I won't mention the film, but the public went in to see Sophia Loren, and she shot by a Nazi. Dead on the floor in a hotel room. And Sophia was furious. She was used. Okay? And Carlo Punti was supposed to have done something with it, and he didn't. But today, they bring in a major, major star mm -hmm. to bring you in. And the star is six minutes in the movie and got $30 million. You know, go, no, they don't get $30 million. Well, you know, I'm being a, I'm being a fucking right. no, but it's, it's I'm being a wise ass. It's not an uncommon story, what you've just shared. And I had a friend that just did a film with Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis was probably on set for maybe all of two days. The other actors weren't even there. Like for his coverage, he would be there on the reverse shot. The, that would be shot all at another time. And, you know, is the movie going to be of any value? Absolutely not, most probably, from what the other actor told me. Um, but, you know, they will use uh, his uh, his presence and his name to sell that film. In fact, they already have sold it. They've pre-sold it before the movie's even come out. So it's, 
very much, you know, there, I'm not saying there's not art that still goes on. Of course there is. There are people that want to make amazing movies and, and put their, you know, their, their blood, their sweat, their tears into that stuff. But at the same time, there are also some people that are just churning out that machine, you know? Actually, you actually made a movie, though, because you made a movie that I, I, I went online and Googled it. Beyond Paradise got great reviews. You play a, a lead character in it. It doesn't have anybody. I mean, it has well-known people in it, but it's not like a, like, there's no, like, A-list, you know, banking billion-dollar movies Screw in it. A-list. But it's a very good uh, you've got a very strong cast. You had a great role. Uh, I don't know what the budget was, but I mean, it got great reviews, and um, and it's a body something in your body of work that you know you you can be really actually proud of. Like, wow, I was in this film, and this is a really good film, and I did a good job, and and that's really like what you should get from. It. And hopefully, working from things like that, when people see that and see you in that, that takes you to the next level of the next you know type of movie but that you, you have get to in. remember one thing. Wait, let him answer. Wait, oh, I'm sorry. Was there a question? <laughs> <laughs> no, see, I, no, I fade away. I just went back. I just went into like thinking again. I, I have to sleep. I have not yeah. had to sleep. So, no, with that, with Beyond Paradise, listen, I met some great people on that. I got to explore a role that, uh, you know, uh, was, you know, removed from me. And uh, I'm, no, I'm proud of that work. I really am. Uh, it's, uh, you know, not, not going to break any box office records, that. Uh, but uh, uh, in terms of who else was in that with me? So you got Daphne uh, Zuniga's Daphne, in it. I Daphne love Daphne Zuniga. You got uh, Ryan uh, Guzman from yeah. the Step Up movies. And then uh, as well, Francia, who uh, wonderful human being uh, as well. And uh, no, I'm really grateful for not only, you know, the uh, the chance to do that, the type of work in that, but just the relationships you get to take with it as well. But, Absolutely. All right, one of the points I want to make is yeah, $25 for two people to go see a movie. Yeah, how, that's, that's how, ridiculous. How many people can afford that in our country? First of all, that's because we wait, get the senior me, ticket, I'm though. Something important. <laughs> I know, no, but Jimmy, it's more wait than a that. second. I'm saying something very important. Please don't interrupt me because I'll bang this fucking mic over your head. <laughs> you'll never know what hit you. You'll be dead, and I'll get rid of you, and I'm going to go find somebody richer than you. Yes. And marry him because I'm married to Jimmy. That's why we fight. <laughs> but anyway, um, so 25 bucks for a ticket. Now they say, oh, it's got. Marilyn Monroe in it. Let's go see it because mm-hmm. they want to go see it. I mean, Marilyn Monroe's in it in a minute. That is a ripoff. That is that is not representing the the film correctly. It's improper disclosure. They should say this bitch is going to be in the film for five minutes. You want to <laughs> blow twenty five bucks? Blow your twenty five bucks that they had to save up all month for. This is my point. Movies are no longer for the world. Movies for those who can afford it. When they come on television, half of the time they're edited, cut in commercials. And who wants to sit there and watch a movie with commercials? You lose the value of the film. So what I'm saying, and my point is, I sound like a friggin' communist, but I don't care. (laughs) Hollywood is all about money. They don't give a shit about the theater, they don't give a shit about their scripts. They put out any old crap. That Star is Born is the biggest piece of junk I've ever seen with that gutterly voice jerk that's directing it and that broad with her pussy showing. I mean, really, do we need to see Lady Gaga's bushy box in the bathtub just to make a <laughs> I film? Cannot come work? Not, I've not seen that movie yet. I've, actually, well, I've, I've heard I very lovely it. things about it, but well, I haven't seen it, so I can't, I can't you know what? I, li- I liked it. Yeah, you liked it because you're today. Everybody that's today likes it because that's the quality of garbage they like but i'm from the day of barbara streisand when she did it 
and the film was remarkably done well and she's a brilliant actress as well as singer i mean they're doing all the remakes of my movies and destroying them making them into garbage with vulgarity with with nudity with stupidity in our day the film was about the story a beginning, a middle, an end. The actor knew what he was doing. He portrayed the character without vulgarity, without nudity, without blood flying all over. It was done because it was called acting. And it was called filmmaking. Today, they want realism, reality. We have enough reality with Donald Trump and what's going on in the world. We don't need any more reality. We need to go to film to see fantasy, to escape the day that we have to suffer through each day because we have bills and illnesses and airplanes flying over, making noise in your studio like one's coming now. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's... I, I think like, we're in a place where there's probably more content being made than there ever has before from at least the outside of movies. So let's just take a television or SVOD, which is... Um, uh, you know, video, video on, on demand. Stream, streaming video on demand, like something like Netflix, Hulu, all of these. And there's a lot of money being put into to this type of content. And with regards to what you said about the the ticket sales, I mean, yeah, I mean, like it's it's not unheard of for those kind of prices to be around. And it's it's I don't know, I just don't think it's conducive to uh, for a future for that kind of um, format. Because you look at you know most people now to get them out of their house or out of their Netflix or um, you know, into a theater, it really takes a studio movie. It's not, you know, most people aren't going out for your, for your, for your indies anymore, or even it'll be interesting to see around, you know, around this time of year, we're coming up to kind of award season, you know, I mean, most of this town, they get screeners sent through the door. So it's a good luck getting them to leave that. But if yeah, to see what those kind of numbers are and people are, still want to come out to, uh, to the theaters to see that type of film, because they tend to be, you know, your smaller pictures rather than, you know, these flagships, Spider-Man 12, or right. whatever we're on now. <laughs> Spider-Man 12. <laughs> exactly. We go, Jimmy and I go to the movies once a week to see what's current. I must tell you, we are sometimes the only ones in the theater. And I love it because it's like a private showing. Now, mm -hmm. we live in Palm Springs, which is a very affluent town. Everybody mm -hmm. can afford to go to the movies every night if they want. Mm -hmm. Okay? They just don't go because they're not interested in what they're showing. People are not paying the money that they used to pay. Years ago, you went to the movies for 50 cents and got Betty Davis and Joan Crawford or Clark Gable. He's talking about many years ago. Many <laughs> I'm talking about major stars. Well, that's when the business was new. And that's when the business wasn't corrupted by foreign people who are investing. I know a director who is told who to hire and who not to hire by the investor. What the fuck does the that investor know? That always happens, know? though. What does the investor Can know? He knows that this one's got a name because he just got blown in a bathroom last week, and now he's a, <laughs> a, he's a, he's a big old fag out there, and they want to you know publicize the old queen. So I bet you have that happen, though, right? You have because I know so, you produce a lot of films. If you produce a film and they don't like your cast, you got to change it. We very rarely had to put ourselves in a position where, come to our head, hey, this person has to be in it. But what I would say, though, is, listen, of course, you know, the bottom line, it has to be a factor. You know, you, you, these people are going to trust you with, you know, upwards of millions of dollars. And you've got to show them how you're going to get their money back. Yep, you know, first absolutely. thing, you know, to, to, to ask somebody for money, it's like, OK, well, how am I getting back? And one of the ways to do that is to mitigate the risk by putting somebody in there that you know uh, is going to put bums on seats or uh, get you some pre-sales. Now, now, that doesn't have to be, 
you know, the the protagonist in every case. It doesn't even have to be, you know, the, 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 the second lead, but it has to be somebody that's going to be in there for longer than five minutes, you would hope. Otherwise, uh, as you say, people feel very shortchanged by that. But what I'm, what I'm happy about is our theaters now, we have many. We have one, The River, which is magnificent. We also have the Mary Pickford Theater, which is like something from the 1920s built. Magnificent theaters. They only do one showing an evening because there's no second showing. So mm. what I'm happy about is TV screens are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and movie theaters are going to go out of business. And then Hollywood's going to have nowhere to show their stupid rip off movies and they're going to have to send them to television and television is a whole different mentality than movies well so there, there yeah. you go the kids to today at least from what i, what I hear the kids today am i that old but the uh the uh people consuming content now don't see it as like movie or uh, or tv or whatever it's just content whether that's on an right. ipad whether that's on right you know, whether it's Game of Thrones at home or Game of Thrones in a, in a movie theater, I think it's kind of going to get to that place where the uh, differentiation doesn't matter and the quality of it will be, you know, its determining factor. Now, most television is, you know, produced to a much higher standard than, than most movies are for, yes. for, you know, purely financial reasons. And, you know, if you're looking at a budget of, you know, $5 million upwards on, uh, on most, uh, most episodics, and, you know, there are t several, you know, thousand movies a year being made out there for, you know, $100,000 or, uh, or maybe even less. Uh, and, you know, maybe a few of those, you know, get great distribution because they come through a festival system and they're, they're really solid. But to make something uh, cheap, you, you've got to have a lot of sweat equity. And by that, I mean people that are willing to do you favors and rental houses right. and things like that to yep. make it look like it costs $5 million, but it only right. costs... 100 G's is a lot of work and yes. we, uh, you know, I've had experience with that and, uh, you know, those relationships that you build along the way are those ones that can help you do that, hopefully. Um, right. But the, um, uh, what was the question? That's it. No, that's, that's good. It. That was a good but answer. Some of the $20 million stars are now working yeah. on television and they're not getting anywhere near $20 million. There's two on TV. One is a friend of mine who's doing a commercial. I won't say who he is, but he's mm. doing a, a car commercial. And mm. he was a major, major star in the 80s. One of the heartthrobs of Hollywood. Mm. Broke, as, broke as a bat. Jane Russell, the legend of Hollywood, was my dearest, closest friend. We were like brother and sister. And Jane Russell at one time was the hottest property that Hollywood ever had. She made money like it was going out of style. 500000 was a lot of money then. Mm. In her older years, she didn't have very much. And she lived like a normal person like or as, a, as an average person. And when I said to her, do you miss what you had? And she said, what do you think? You know, you don't miss what you don't have. But mm. she missed the youth, the beauty, the money, and the popularity. But she was a clever lady, and she was able to handle it well. But I know of two other stars who I won't give the names who are a mess. They are nuts. They are totally neurotic and insane because nobody recognized. You know, I went to I was out in the super. I was in a department store, and nobody recognized me. I say, sure, you, to myself, you don't look like yourself anymore. You look like some ugly old bitch. When you were young, you were beautiful. Now you're just a hideous old lady. So hold on. Let's switch this because we've only got a few minutes and yes, I want to go I'm out of the business. I'm done with my political shit. 
I want to go out of business. All right, so you're like an up and coming. You got great credits. You got lots of stuff on IMDb and development, and that you're working on both in front of the camera and behind the scenes to make it happen. Which we do have a lot of guests who come on who who actually do get into the producing and stuff, so that way they can produce the stuff that they're in. You know, because like really, if if uh, if nobody's knocking on the door to hire you, you need to like create your own opportunities, and and a lot of people do create their own opportunities. Um, Beyond that, I mean, yes, there was actually like out of uh, some that that heartbreak of uh, Children of the Machine where um, I uh, just really wanted to establish back some control over what it, I wanted to do. And so I didn't actually go out and audition for a little bit after that. I uh, formed a production company with uh, a guy called Jared Roxburgh and uh, a um, UFC Hall of Famer called Uriah Faber. And uh, we... Uh, We've got about four, four or five pieces, probably uh, pieces of IP in development right now. We just shot a feature in uh, in May. It's going through post production right now, and actually we went to go meet with the programmers of South by Southwest uh, about two uh, two nights ago. They invited us uh, to. Oh, that's event. great. And yeah, they said that uh, we're uh, we're uh, a significant way along in this election process, which uh, was really nice to hear. And uh, yeah, so the hope would be. That we will premiere that movie in um, in their festival at the end of uh, March. It's uh, a movie about a robbery on a marijuana farm. It was it was based on a true story actually. A friend of ours had uh, had got out of serving some uh, some time in Chicago and uh, had um, had some money. And him and his pregnant girlfriend bought some land up in Northern California and started growing. It was going great making uh, making uh, a lot of cash. In fact, they made, uh, they made a significant amount around the harvest. The problem with that is a lot of people know that you uh, you can't put that money into a federal bank account because uh, right. of the laws where it is. So it was all in cash, and uh, bad people came in the middle of the day with balaclavas and guns and uh, held them up at gunpoint. Yes. And, um, now, like the community I'm in, it's, it's connected pretty heavily to uh, to MMA, and uh, and uh, Rob knew um, uh, a uh, gun disarmament from uh, from jujitsu, and uh, he found a moment, and he disarmed one of the robbers, and he shot him in the arm, and he shot him in the spine, and then he pointed the gun to the guy's friend, and he said, "Take your friend out of here right now, or I'm going to shoot you too." Dragged him out. Those two drove away, and they were found later that day bleeding out in a 7-Eleven. Cops were called. The cops, um, cops searched the uh, the two uh, two uh, robbers and realized that they had prior convictions, so they were allowed to search the vehicle. Uh-oh. Now the vehicle had the uh, the GPS in with the last known address, which was the which was the marijuana farm. This sounds uh, like this sounds like a day in L.A. Or it sounds like. <laughs> No, it sounds like it could have been like something created from like the people who did Ozark or no, something. No, wait a minute. Right. Well, this so this sounds like, no. without go, I probably shouldn't go into much more anyway. No, no, don't go into more. Because we'll, oh, but this from sounds, that, we had a, um, a, a, a really a wonderful like true story to um, to tell, and we had access to uh, to a farm up in Northern California. We shot in Murphy's, uh, and uh, the result of it, I'm really really proud of. It's. Uh, it's uh, it really is a fabulous, uh, fabulous little movie. Um, we're uh, doing the uh, the color on it right now. It's going through sound, but uh, what's the, the name of so what's the name of it? So um, back in the day when uh, everybody was was going west for uh, for gold and uh, people uh, people called it the gold rush, they actually said those people had 
gold fever. You know, that's what they said. Oh, this person's got gold fever. Yes. And right now, for want of a better word, we're going through, you know, a green rush. And uh, so we called this movie uh, Green Fever. I love it. Okay. All right. We got like two minutes. Let me ask you a hypothetical. So you, you're, who, who's your, uh, if you could pick uh, your bucket list for who you would like to work with, male and female. Oh, gosh. Um, that you haven't had a chance to work with yet. I don't know why this went off. Let's see. I mean, I've been a fan of, like, Johnny Depp for many years. I think, um, you know, Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio has done great work. I mean, Brad Pitt, these guys are heavy hitters. I think, um, who else? Um, Give me a female. Fassbender. Michael Fassbender would be would be somebody I would really love to work with. Yeah, yeah he's a good one. All right, and a leading, a leading female to act opposite. Leading female. I'm trying to think who... Um, is out there doing amazing stuff that I've been watching recently. Um, I mean, obviously, I grew up watching like a lot of Nicole Kidman. I watch. Um, That's good. Please don't say Meryl Streep. Very good at what she does. I mean, when you say Meryl Streep, for some reason Emily Blunt pops into my head. Now she's oh, still, Emily uh, Blunt. That's a good one. I, I like saw Emily her Blunt. in um, the uh, Girl on a Train, which I was very, very late to the party on, but she did fab fabulous yes, work. Great she's work. Really uh, I mean, there are so many. Like by not mentioning people, I feel like I'm doing them a disservice. But off the top of my head, there we go. There you go. All right. So here we gotta go. So you don't have a Twitter, right? You're not really in social media too much. Uh, no, not like personal handles. No, I don't. Uh, I don't have uh, have much going on. I did create one though for the character I play in Green Fever. So there is uh, Jacob Adder uh, out there, which I believe is uh, at I I am underscore Adder. And so, uh, how do you yeah. spell Ada? A D A D D E R. Yeah. Okay, and, Adder. Uh, okay. I might, you know, I might keep hold of that and then just change it up next uh, next character uh, I play. I might just change up the name and uh, and have it as that. But uh, that way, it's not you're not going to find any anything about me like posting my breakfast or anything like that. But you'll see uh, you'll see different bits <laughs> of uh, that's why Ron does uh, like some of the movies I've been in. All right, but, but you are aware of the fact that the more social media you do, the more work you'll get, and that's what I you, know, Jimmy tells. Jimmy praises that to all of his clients. He it's, tells them, if you don't have good PR, if you don't do social media, you ain't ever working, baby. You're just dreaming. It's true. <laughs> I don't, it's, it's definitely become part of the equation to the point. Oh gosh, I really wish it wasn't uh, part of the equation to the to <laughs> that it was. Uh, I was uh, I was going to do a painting at one point of uh, some new kid that came to uh, to Hollywood or something like that, and is getting back on a bus with a meme of I wanted to be an actor, but uh, I didn't have enough followers or something like yes. that. Yes, <laughs> which um, it's almost true. It could. I mean, it definitely helps if you're popular. And I mean, for sure. I mean, like, again, like it's, people are wearing this on its sleeve. I think, um, uh, was it uh, one of the Game of Thrones act actresses recently said, listen, I got the job over somebody else because I had more followers. And it's... it's I think it's horrible. That stinks. Anyway, I think it's horrible, too, but it is a way, and since I'm good at it, I'm okay with it. Well, well, ever... I, I, I kind of threatened my director by saying I have over 250,000 fans, and we're all over the world, our TV show, and we mm. could say good things about your movies, and sometimes we won't. And he got the <laughs> message. Well, I was... I made them all crazy because I kept dropping lines. You know, the lines were not my kind of lines. But anyway, they were his lines. <laughs> you mm. know what? The director wrote the script. Don't ever work for a director that writes the script because there's no room for your playing. You can't ad-lib or do anything. They want what they wrote to be there. Whereas Alfred Hitchcock, he should tell his actors, go out there and act. 
I don't care what you say as long as the story comes out. And I think directors that do that really have a better movie. Pacino likes. They got to go. So. Oh, but you, you make just real quickly on that. You make the movie three times. You know, you you uh, you write the movie, you shoot the movie, and then you edit the movie. And being able to just allow it to be what it is in each of those processes, I think, is always going to come good. What work with some people that have written their their piece and then they direct it. Um, that they're okay with just letting go of that process and saying, no, this is a new process now. Now we're making the movie. Now it needs to be the best it can be here. It's the best it could be on the page, hopefully. And now it's got to be the best it can be on set. And then it's got to be the best it can be in the editing room. And that might be just totally different to what was envisaged on set. Great information. Yeah, but when you're a three-time threat like that, writer, director, uh, and editor, you really don't have any focus on what you're doing. You're focusing on your own ego. Whereas, <laughs> whereas when you have a, uh, a director that didn't, write the script and doesn't do the uh, editing, you have opinion. And opinion is what creates and makes the, 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 the subject matter better. It's very flat one-sided when you're a three-time killer. Yeah, I can be. My opinion. I would hear you. There are some people, it really depends on the person, you know? Some, uh, some are better at others with taking themselves and their own ego out of that equation. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I feel you. Trying to do Everything at once is never going to work. You've and got... also, you're taking salaries away from other people. There's that too. Whoever has the gold tends to make the rules with that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I feel like there are some some people. I mean, again, with, with directing and editing, those two, I mean, go so hand in hand because you're sitting there. That relationship with the editor is probably you know the most important relationship you're going to have. Um, and if you know how to edit yourself, I mean, sometimes I would say it's maybe not a great idea because you need that perspective. But I mean, after seeing a cut, God knows how many times, you know, you, you, you need other input. If you don't take it, you're crazy. All right. So here's what we got to do. First of all, uh, everybody in the chat room says they love the interview. They learn lots of stuff. And they also said that you are super like not hard on the eyes so they love the way you look no, he's handsome and, as uh, all hell I mean, we want to really thank you for handsome. coming on the show and he photographs can't, beautifully can't wait look to see the well film can't wait to see looks. the films when they come out especially the new pot film and uh uh green road green what did you green call fever. it green fever looking forward to that you guys uh uh you'll be seeing a lot more of him in hollywood so like, he doesn't have the twitter but he will eventually but he does have i underscore i am underscore adder Yes. I am underscore Adder for one of his uh, one of his characters, and we want to thank you for coming on the show. We got another guest coming on, so we got to let you go. And I want to tell you to tell your girlfriend, the ex one, that she's crazy that she didn't throw a net over you, baby, <laughs> and get a wedding ring out of you. Because if you were mine, I would never let you go. You're so sweet <laughs> and so intelligent and so handsome. Tell her that I said so. She's crazy. She needs to see a shrink. <laughs> Well, listen, I will take all of those compliments. Thank you. You know, she uh, she, she is a part of this equation as well. But I, um, yeah, like both of you, it was a real pleasure to be on here. Thank you, everybody else. It was so else, nice uh, of you coming uh, on. Chiming in on the chat, too. And, uh, yeah, hope to see you guys again around town or wherever. All righty. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Yay. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody in the chat room. So that was Misha Crosby. Oh, no, I can't sit like that. Jeepers. No, because you look like a fat, <laughs> you look like Twiddly Dump from like, Alice in Wonderland. Like Orca. What was it? No, Twiddly D from Alice in Wonderland. Like Orca. The twins, Twiddly D and Twiddly Dot, the two round balls. Twiddly D and Twiddly Dot. If you touch me one more time when I'm interviewing, I will smack you. I think that's horrible. Uh, you don't direct me. Remember that, Jim.
and you're directing me by hitting my hand, telling me to switch conversation. I had that. No, it wasn't a switch conversation. Well, I got that interview going. I had to be a little, I had to throw some salt in the wounds. Otherwise, that interview would have been flat. And it was a great interview. Yeah, Everybody because, liked, loved it. Yeah, because we made a little hostility. They all want him to have a Twitter, though. A little hostility, a little anger, and I wanted his true opinion because the business stinks. And all of you kids out there that are dreaming about being an actor or an actress, please educate yourself. Have a, another thing to do. Garp a bit. It doesn't happen. So that don't just like stupid me. You know, I left school at 16 years old to be an actor. That's all I thought about. There was nothing else in the world that I would do. And I've done it all my life. Luckily, I'm successful, sort of, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what, what I wanted to be. But um, Did you guys see Shazam, too, when he jumped in there? Yeah, my Shazam. That's a killer dog. He'd eat you in a minute if he saw you. But he's wonderful with the family. Uh, he's our guard dog. But seriously, children of the night, kids out there, Think about it. It's not what you think. It's not movie premieres and limousines and lights and may I sign you your have to autograph? do it because you actually love doing it. You yeah. don't do it for all the other stuff no. because for every for every red carpet premiere that you get to go to and ride up in a limo, you work about eight thousand hours to get there of like really you know not what? glamorous work. I've been to so many red carpets in my life that they don't even matter anymore. It's like everything else, it gets to be commonplace. So now we go to red carpets and I say, oh, another crappy film we have to see or a good film. Or, oh, I got to sit through this one. Oh, now we got to drive in. So it's not all you think it is. It's really hard work. Uh, and everybody's not really very honest or nice in the business. Everybody's sort of cutthroat. Thanks, though. Everybody in the chat room, B, Dave. Pat Grant joined us uh, during at the beginning of the interview. Everybody in the chat room, thanks so much. We're getting ready. We're going to call our second guest. Before I do that, let me just tell everybody, you can hear us on W4CY Radio every Wednesday from 12 to 2 Pacific time or 3 to 5 Eastern time. We're on Monster FM Radio in New York, K4HD Radio in L.A., Jackalope Radio in St. Louis, iHeart Radio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, Audio Boom, Podomatic, iTunes, Apple TV, and Spreaker, and on television, we're on Vimeo, YouTube, Roku, and Comcast On Demand through the Galaxy Global Television Network. Now we're going to play the trailer for a brand new film. It's a Harley Wallen film called Agramon's Gate, starring our next guest, Lorene Landon. And uh, so this is the trailer for it. I hope you guys enjoy it, and we're going to get Lorene on the telephone or on the Skype. How's that, Chad? Let's do it. All right, everybody, Agramon's Gate. She is here. <laughs> Things are about to get interesting. Can we talk to family members? We could do a seance. I'm honestly not a big fan of this kind of thing. Spirit, oh spirit, who are here to see family and friends. Anyone else a daddy? Me, that's you. Shh. Oh, your father, was he a bad man? You could say that. He tried to kill my mom and me. One night when he was strangling her, and I shot him with his own gun. She's been in a mental institution ever since. What was that? Something pushed through. Like a spirit? What was that? This didn't just happen to Richie. This happened to all of us. <laughs> You're all gonna die. Whatever it was, it was stronger than anything I've ever felt before. Him. Him is he. I think I know who it is. Well, trust me when I say this. 
His soul is up for grabs. His name is... Oh my God! Agramon. You alright? Look like you've seen a ghost. Fellas, there we go. All right, everybody. That was Agamon skating. Lorraine was calling my 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 Skype, but she's not supposed to be calling me. She's, we're supposed to be calling the studio instead. So we got to work it out. Chad, let's work it out. Okay, good. Let's work it out. All right, everybody. So we're working it out now. And um, there we go. There we go. There's my girl. There's Hello. my girl. Hi, sweetie. Oh, look, she's got, her, she's got her ears on, her I bunny ears. Her. I love her. That's the same as her pi- sky picture. What bunny ears? These are my regular ears. <laughs> <laughs> I washed them for you today. And I, I, I sprayed them. <laughs> there you go. I got to love it. How are you, my Hi. sweet? I'm living proof that fossils still exist, I guess. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how'd your show go the other day? You were filming a big movie. Yeah. Right? I'm exhausted. It was what? a lot of work. I played a minister and we shot the whole thing in like 11 hours. And I was on my feet for 11 hours standing up with with a couple of 10 minute breaks, doing the same fucking lines over and over again until I was about to scream. <laughs> I would have been on my back. What? <laughs> she would have been on her back. <laughs> Hold on, wait, we have to introduce you to everybody well, No, we're not on yet Yes, we are Oh, we're on? Yeah, we're oh, on <laughs> I didn't know we were on Hi, Lorene, I love you, my cookie How are you, sweetie? I'm good, I don't, thank you I don't see you anymore, where have you been? Wait, hang on, let's introduce oh, her Because people don't know who she is Oh, this is a sensational body of death And a face that's gorgeous This broad is so sexy She makes Marilyn Monroe look butch There we go, everybody So now we want to <laughs> welcome now we want to welcome to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, the incredibly talented and gorgeous Lorraine Landon. Hello and welcome to the show. Thank you. And Thank you so much for having me on your show, guys. Thank you so much for having me again on your show. I'm, I'm so, so grateful. Thank you. We love you, and it's we're so happy. It's our pleasure, sweetie. Trust me, it's our pleasure. I already know you know Ron and I. Let's just say hi yeah. to the man behind the boards, Mr. Chad Murphy. Lorraine Landon, welcome back. Hi, Chad. Good to have you again. And then I we have remember a- you. You were really cute. Where are you? You can't, you can't see him, but he, he is really he's cute. Really good you just get to hear him and listen to that voice. No, he's very handsome. He's got the most beautiful nose on a man. I wish I had his nose. <laughs> send you one. Then we have a chat. You can. You can. It's Hollywood. You can do anything. No, no, thanks. I don't want to take a chance. I could look like a pig. <laughs> you know, they do the nostril thing. Like, look, I want to look with a nose job. Hello, is that is that pretty? So we we uh, have a we wait, have a wait wait wait, 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 Shut up for a minute. Let when me was finish it? the introduction. Oh, she oh, got a is, chat room full of people who all love her. They've been tweeting about. We said it's no, Lorraine. we haven't. Uh, we haven't uh, said hello to the chat room. Lorraine, say hi to everybody in the chat room. Oh, hello, hello everybody in the chat room, and thank you so much for coming on the show and. Hopefully interacting with me and not saying too many bad things, I hope. They love oh, you to death. They think you're fabulous. about you, you crazy So boy. we just played the trailer for Agramon's Gate. 
the new film that I guess is going to be coming out soon. It's a Harley Wallen film. We love Harley. He's been on the show a bunch of times. Yeah. Isn't he the best? I mean, Harley Wallen reminds me so much of Robert Aldrich and because Harley, Harley um, handles the actors with such grace and he takes these, he does this uh, great, great translation of worlds, people, and stories, and he takes these complex characters and he, and he assembles them all in this cohesive, full-spectrum visual and auditive narr narration. Um, he's, he's a magnificent director, and everybody's calling him Harleywood now, which, um, you know, denotes, uh, you know, a, a star. He's, he's just a fabulous actor as well. That's yeah. what I was going to say. We know we saw his film. We went to the premiere, and I just knew him as a director. And when the film was over, I said, "Harley, you can act." He said he played that Russian bad guy real oh, good. Oh yeah, Betrayed. We went to the Betrayed. red carpet premiere of Betrayed. Yeah. Are we yes, going to go to the I premiere know. of your movie? Are you going to have a premiere for Agamon's Gate? Yes, at my house. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was very my great. bedroom. No, <laughs> no, we're gonna have. Hopefully, we're gonna have a um, um, a screening at um, the same place that you saw Betrayed. Oh. I love the movie. My friend Larry Cohen saw the movie. He loved the movie, and he hates everything. But um, <laughs> I love I love the fact that Harley always I call him the king of uh, social commentary, eh? Because he always deals with uh, social relevant issues that are so important today. For instance, human trafficking, drug trafficking. In Agrimon's Gate, he deals with the uh, subject of fear, which I'm sure we can all deal at some point in our lives with fear, uh, because fear is uh, a negative emotion, and fear warns us that we're in dangerous situations and we must take action. So um, I love that he tackles the issue of fear because fear has been my constant companion since I was born and still is. So that's you why I don't care very much. You mentioned Larry Cohen. We met you. We met Larry Cohen when we met you for the first time. Besides being on Skype um, at the premiere of, we're not going to say what movie it was because it was the biggest piece of shit I ever saw. <laughs> and you guys left after like five minutes. <laughs> oh, the, the movie kept breaking down and. and <laughs> Larry got really upset, and it, he, uh, he saw five minutes of it, and he said, that's it, out of here. So we won't say the movie, but it wasn't one of mine, thank God. Yes, it wasn't one of yours. And Larry uh, is, a, is a phenomenal is director. A, my little dog, she's eating the area rug. Stop showing <laughs> the rug, Brandy. <laughs> you, you, you look so beautiful that night in that sexy, skin-tight evening gown. Turquoise, I believe, thank isn't you. it? Aqua color. Emerald green. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Thank and, and you. you and, and you left so early. Was it worth putting the gown on and the makeup just to go see two minutes? Well, I got to meet you both. Are you kidding? Yeah, I there mean, we go. I, I'm, I basically went there to uh, uh, meet the two of you, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> Good. Uh, and it was, if that's uh, the truth, then I was just as thrilled as you were to meet you. You know I was all over you. I couldn't help it. I think you're so sweet and adorable. 
Thank glamorous, you. and you're so glamorous, like old Hollywood. Ron really oh, likes old that. Hollywood. When she walked into that lobby, everybody else looked like shit. They looked like they were no. They looked like they were like gardening, or maybe digging ditches, or maybe they slept in their clothes for a week and didn't shower, or shave, or comb their hair. And in well, I got asking the goodwill. I did. I got it from no. I got most it, of my. I did. I swear, I got it from the goodwill. That's where I buy. It's my favorite franchise. So. <laughs> You know, people say, no, you didn't, no, you didn't. And I say, yes, I did. And I show them the price tag. I always leave the price tag on because nobody ever believes that I shop at the Goodwill or the Discovery Store or, or you know, um, um, you know, thrift shops. Well, they're vintage clothes. And if the gown you had on was vintage, it was wonderful. Because when you walked in there, it was Hollywood. And I oh. felt like I was in Hollywood, not in like, you know, in Toys R Us or something. I don't Toys know. Are. <laughs> the fuck do I? <laughs> I think too, though, it's very cool. But, no, what's it? Walmart. That's the one I was looking for. Walmart or Kmart. Walmart. I want to like go do like a little overview, a little bit of your career because, like, right now at this point in your career, you've been doing a lot of like kind of like horror type films and everything. But like, you have actually done everything. Like, you have such a wide variety of work that you've done. Um, you were the star of Hundra, you know, that was kind of like back in the day where they had like the, like, it's like Conan the Barbarian, but the female version uh, of Conan the Barbarian, um, type thing. And well, then it, made- it was the dawn of women's civilization. It was the dawn of women's civilization. And my character was, uh, the protagonist, obviously, and it was written by a man. And most people think it was written by a woman, woman, but it was written by a man. And it was directed by a man. So um, I did all the stunts in the movie except one. And uh, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life because I was able to go to Spain. Have you ever been to Spain? I have, yes. I have also. I love Spain. I went there Where for the Olympics. Oh, oh, that must have been so incredible. Yeah, it was fun. I went there in 1959 when I was 19, and they were still recuperating from the war. My parents took me when I was little, and then as an adult, I went during the Olympics. Um, I loved Spain. I did. Oh, my God. I have a story about Spain. Actually, I, I have I've a story about Spain. I've got a lot Spain. of stories, but I can't When tell I was them. a little kid, we went to Spain. When I was <laughs> you, a keep little, freezing. you keep freezing. You keep freezing. There you go. You're, you you're moving. Freezing. Are you cold? I think that, that that's you who froze, not us. You freeze. Oh. No, okay. you keep freezing too. Okay. Well, when I was when I was uh, little, my parents took me to Spain, and in the middle of the night, like 2 o'clock in the morning, we heard this big crashy-like kind of sound, and it woke everybody yeah. up in the hotel, and everybody ran to the balcony to look outside the hotel, and it was like a sheep herder herding the sheep, and they all had these big cowbells on them, and it was all the cowbells making the noise, and it woke everybody up. It was... One of those things you never forget. I was 19, and at 19, I must tell you, I was breathtakingly beautiful. Not handsome, beautiful boy. Skinny. No, no. Tall, skinny with long black hair. And I went to a little casino club, and I met this very, very handsome man, beautiful man, who turned out to be a matador. Could you believe it? I was going to say, was he a bull? I swear I was going to say, was he a bull fighter? He wasn't a famous. He wasn't a famous matador, but he was a matador, and um, you know they have incredible bodies because I don't know why they stay so tight so the bull doesn't kill them. But yeah, he, I don't. I, 
I went to one when I was there filming Hundra. I went to one bullfight, but I, I couldn't stay because um, it was just too brutal what they do to the animals. Uh, I believe in Portugal they do not kill the uh, bulls. No, they don't. They don't. But this yeah. bull, this bullfight and the bull had a lot in common. What, they had Send big me. balls? <laughs> <laughs> so then, because you're in like all these... You're in these like all these like cult class. He's kissing you. He's uh. You're in all these like cult classic I films <laughs> and uh, like you know it's alive three maniac cop. Those are all like kind of like airplane two. Those are all like cult classic films. But then I didn't know you were in this film before. But you were in a movie, Wicked Stepmother. Yeah, and, yes, I was. And that's got and that starred Betty Davis. Yes, it was her last film, and uh, oddly enough. Um, I was able to uh, um, um, work with her to see if I was right for one of the parts, which had already been cast, but the director wanted me to interact and to, and to basically rehearse with Betty Davis, and she was incredibly frail at the time, and it felt like I was hugging a skeleton, and she couldn't even get the words out of her mouth because she was having dental problems at the time. But um, I consider that one of the greatest honors in my life to be able, in, in the film industry, to be able to rehearse with Betty Davis. And when I left, she said to the actress, that girl was fantastic. So what a compliment coming from Betty Davis. Which it also had Evelyn Keyes, Lionel Stander. Do you know who Lionel Stander is? No, but these know, are like I older. Evelyn yeah. Keys. And Tom Bosley. I mean, it had a lot of big stars in Tom it. Tom Bosley, yes. I knew. Yeah. I knew from uh, from the set of um, the the three girls. What was Charlie's it? Angels? Charlie's Angels. Tommy used yeah. to work there. But I knew Betty well, and Betty was not happy with the yeah. end of, end of her life. We used to talk about it, and she was not happy with it. And she also feels, as I feel, that age. Uh, you pay your dues. She said, you know, living long, you pay dues. She said, those that die young, get away with it. And I know what she's talking about because I'm 78 and my God, I have aches and pains and I can't remember lines and I'm tired all the time. And it really stumps you. I mean, she, she did have a difficulty and she hated that film. She hated all the old films. She hated Baby Jane. She hated when I she was I love wasn't, Baby Jane. No, she said she was... I love Baby Jane. <clears throat> Robert Aldrich directed it, who directed me in all the Marvels, the wrestling movie I starred in with Peter Falk. Did you ever hear of all the Marvels, the California Dolls? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Robert Aldrich directed that movie, and he directed Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And right. I absolutely love that movie. Yeah, she but Betty, Betty Davis movie. wanted... She said, I'm no longer Betty Davis. She said, I got 65000 bucks for it, and that was it. She needed the money, but she didn't like no longer being Betty Davis. Now, I was at a screening with her at the Bing Theater in L.A. one night, and they played Now Voyager. And if I could tell you, Betty looked at herself. And after what we had the after party, she said, you know, I always thought I was an ugly looking woman. She said, my God, I look back now. Was I beautiful? <laughs> you know, so age taught her that youth is beauty. But she was a yes. lovely lady. She was a very sweet lady. Tough, broad, dirty mouth, knock them back drinker. Tough New England chick. You know that if you saw her offset. I mean, yeah. if, and she's a chain smoker. 
Just, oh yeah, chain when smoking. They were, when they were shooting, um, when they were shooting, uh, the wicked stepmother, she had cigarettes everywhere in in the house that they were filming. Everywhere you With, could imagine, she had cigarettes, so she could pick up a cigarette anytime she wanted. So. That was one of her uh, demises. She died of cancer, as you know, and uh, breast, um, breast cancer is what she yeah. died. Yeah, yes. But she smoked because it was her. Um, she used to call it a handle. Because I asked her that one time. I said, "Why do you smoke so much?" She said, "Ron, it's my handle." In other words, she hung on to the cigarette, and that cigarette gave her whatever she needed. So I've heard people refer to cigarettes as their handle. It's a weird expression, but I can understand it's their handle. You know, when they put it in their mouth and they draw on it, it sort of gives them a whatever. Did you, yeah. ever, smoke? Did you ever smoke? Yes. You don't smoke anymore. Sometimes. Yes, I do. Why? It's why a, not? It's <laughs> why? Because it stinks. You know what kind of... What guy sometimes wants to I do, it? not often, but sometimes I do when I get very anxious, when I'm uh, <clears throat> depressed. Um, I don't know. Some occasionally I do, not every day at all. But uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm I'm going to be authentic. I'm authentic with you, which right. is one of the most important words in the English language to me is authenticity. Faith like, is number one. That's me. I'm honest. I never bullshit on this show. Anything I say is the oh, truth. I, what I feel. No, you don't. That's what I love about you. Oh, I love about you so much. You're a man who says the words he feels and not the man, not the words of a man who kneels. You just tell it like it is and you don't yeah. give a crap. Well, be, be, because it's never anything bad. It's only good stuff that comes out of my mouth. My opinion, like don't smoke. Like what guy's going to make out with you with cigarette breath? Gross. <laughs> my dog doesn't care. Yeah, but what about, a guy, like, listen, if I, if I was straight and I saw you, for sure I want to make love to you. There's no question about that. And the minute I started kissing you, if you had a nicotine breath, I'd say, go brush your teeth. You're disgusting. I never smoke when I go out. Never. I never smoke when I leave the house. Good, Ever. good. Never no. smoke. I really love you. And don't smoke anymore. It's not good for you. Okay. Period. End of, end of conversation. I don't smoke marijuana at all, but it's legal. Do you smoke marijuana? No, I just eat gummy bears. You eat gummy bears? <laughs> no, the gummy bears. No, he, no, he does the marijuana edibles. The marijuana edibles. No, what, the gummy bears? Yeah. yeah. They have a little bit of ah. marijuana in it, and if you eat the ear... It's, it's the a, same thing as smoking, but, but you don't, don't have to smoke, smoke it. He doesn't I, smoke I it. I do it because I have I'm the start of arthritis in my hands and feet, so if I do a little bit of pot, the pain goes away. And, Does it really go away? Um, huh? Yeah. Well, next time I see you, I'll bring a gummy bear. We'll he either does one. that, or if he doesn't do that, he rubs the, the CBD oil on his, on his wherever he's got uh, arthritis, my, like my on his finger. fingers. He writes it on his fingers, and then he goes away. I'm they telling don't hurt. you, that, that oil without the high in it, you know, they take the, the whatever yeah. it is. They take this. The, works. It's getting rid of tumors in people. It's really uh, the pot. Itself without the high is a wonderful medicine, and everybody out there should try it. Uh, it does work. You take 12 or 13 drops in the morning and at night, and all day long right. you, you don't have pain in your arthritic fingers. Yeah. Uh -huh. I know they. Give it, I know they give it to women uh, that are um, that have um, laxative abuse or that are you know uh, uh, that they won't eat. Um, they give it to women um, 
yeah, to, uh, women that won't eat anymore. Um, Anorexic. So, I, I take it because Jimmy. Yeah. I take it because Jimmy beats me, so he's always. Oh, beating, yeah. oh he does. He he pulled a gun and you on love me. It. You know, no, no. One time he pulled a knife on my throat. He was oh, going to yeah, stab right. me. Then one time he tried. He's to, full of shit. No, he got the car. He, <laughs> tried, he tried to pin me between the garage door and the front end of the Jeep. Oh, you know, so I have to take marijuana to survive. This yeah, right. Place. You better tell people you're joking because they might think you're serious. People, some people might be tuning in for the first time. Oh, I'm only oh, joking. <laughs> oh, come on. They sh- if they think it's real, get, don't come in our show. You're stupid. Yeah, go somewhere else. Yeah, go go where the dummies talk. <laughs> Yeah, this exactly. is swift talking but seriously sweet lips when am I going to see you again uh, when do you guys come back to LA all the time maybe we're going to drag you to one of our, our red carpets you want to go with us I would love to go we'll sit in there suffer together yeah, what's we'll a, what's our next? Oh, Hanukkah. Carpet? Maybe we can get her Hanukkah. To go to Hanukkah with oh, us. you got to go see Hanukkah. It's the first Jewish uh, killer thing, where the rabbi is the killer, and our very good friend and Jimmy's client, Caroline Williams, is naked in a bathtub of blood, taking a mitzvah in a blood bath. The film is supposed to be out fucking rageous. I cannot is wait it a to. Comedy? No, it's a horror no, movie. No, it's a horror movie. <laughs> no, but it's a. Sick it's in a comedy. <laughs> No, it's a sicko one. It's one of these. Re- this film is going to make a big dent in the. Ho- this film is. Everybody's going to see this film. It's really way out weird. What's it called? What's it called? Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Aren't you Jewish? Hanukkah? Yeah. Aren't you Jewish? I think December first is going to no, be the, the red carpet. Oh, I thought you were Jewish. All right. Yeah, it's called Hanukkah. Catholic. Well, we're going to drag your beautiful ass to the uh, to the premiere. Wear one of your gowns. Go sexy and gorgeous. Cause I'll dress up too. I hope so. No, it'll be fun. We're going. I think it's going to be on December first. Okay. Uh, I think at the same place they did Betrayed. Actually, I think is where they're doing it. Right. And the, the uh, Chinese Grauman Theater. And we're going. And um, Churchill's going to be going with us. And Sadie Katz is going to go with us. Everybody. Oh, I love Churchill. He's a wonderful actor. You know, <clears throat> he directed me in Nation's Fire. Have you heard of that movie, Nation's Fire? Absolutely. You we're- play Bruce Dern's wife, right? Yes, yeah. I do play his wife, and, and you're not going to believe this, but Thomas Churchill trusted me enough, trust, trusted my organic acting and my insanity enough that uh, he, imp- he, he gave Bruce Stern direction and me, myself direction, and he said, go improvise. So, because I, I love, love to improvise, eh? I oh, love- my God. I'm in three of Churchill's films coming up. The next Which film... One? Well, I'm, Two. In, I'm in the big, the big, what's the big fucking rat, and then what's the other one? Amityville. Am, one. I'm in Amityville and the big fucking rat. Two. Two films, but I'm in two other films, not Churchill's. But uh, Churchill came to the set where I was working, and I was playing a minister, and Churchill was so impressed because there they had me against a crucifix, gigantic crucifix, and the camera was like on the floor shooting up. So they gave that whole, you know, dramatic priest whatever look and churchill said yeah wait very interesting ron he said maybe we'd make a good movie a killer priest <laughs> so i think churchill's gonna write a movie and i'm gonna play the killer priest in it oh, he will, he, will. I mean, churchill will. he was so impressed with what i look like i said i look like count dracula I can't wait because we pulled my hair straight back, slicked it back, and in that I looked like scary shit. I can't wait for, for, for huh? Did you wear a wig? 
Did you no. wear a wig? I, I, no. It's, an, it's a, not a big part, but an important no, part. No, she said, did you wear a wig? No, I want a wig with this muppet. I just slicked it back. No, my so, I can't wait to see it. I want to know when it comes out. We're not, allowed, we're not allowed to speak about it, which I don't get. We're not allowed to give the title or talk anything about it. So I don't understand that. Usually they always did pre-press. Nowadays they don't. They don't have a poster you know for it yet or anything. Is? You know what that is? You know why that is? What? Because why? All, all the big outlets, this is what Joe Williamson told me, all the big outlets and other people as well in publicity, that all the big outlets want the scoop. And if you do a bunch of interviews um, and just talk about it randomly, then it's not going to be a shock. It's not going to be something that is going to be heard for the first time. So everybody wants the first dibs. All the big agent outlets want want the scoop on on a project. That's what happened with Nation's Fire. When we were filming it, we were not allowed to say anything. We weren't allowed to talk about it. We weren't allowed to admit we were in the film. And I didn't understand why, did not ask why, but I found out later it's because, um, you know, all the big outlets finally got, got the scoop on it, like Variety and I believe Report, the Hollywood Reporter. So that's the reason for that. So when is Nation's Fire coming out? Do you know? It already came out. It's gone. No, it didn't come out. It didn't come out. <laughs> I mean, when is when is it? When is it coming out, or when is it going to escape? Yeah, well, no, when, when is it? When, when will it be available it? for people to see when it? When can we see it? I What's think it's coming. I believe it's coming out in February. Okay. All right, let us know. Invite I, us. Invite us to the red carpet. And you know who's in it is Gil Bellows and uh, Bruce Stern and Krista Grotta, who's one of the most beautiful women. Have you heard of Krista Grotta or seen her? She's I, I, just, I, I, I know her really well. I did a lot of stuff when Churchill did Emerging Past, and so like I was around for all of that. So I've met her. I'd, lo I'd love to work with you. We would have a ball if we worked together. Oh, I don't know if we get anything done. They probably fire us and throw us off the lot, but we would have a good time laughing and carrying on. Hey, we'd make the news. That's all that we care about, right? That's right. Right. For, for that big salary they give us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That salary that I'm going to buy a, a chateau in Paris now. Also, too, doesn't uh, Wyatt doesn't Wyatt Walter play like your son or something? Yes, he does. He plays my son, and I play this alcoholic, uh, tortured, tormented, psychotic wife of uh, Bruce Dern's, and he's he's leaving me because um, he can't take it anymore, and I cannot take his sobriety. <laughs> oh, so um, it, it's it's a fabulous part that I play in that. So I'm very grateful to Thomas Churchill because he gave me a chance, and he believed in me, and he said, you can do this. And I know you're insane. I know you're crazy. I know you're out of your mind. And he just he just let up, let me go. And he, he tell, let me improvise. He, so. tells, he tells me the same thing. <laughs> I think it's Jimmy, Jimmy knows Churchill for 20 years. Yeah, or I've known Churchill for, for like a really and long time. Churchill, I think, is wonderful. And he's a yeah. dear friend of ours, even if we don't work for him. He's still my friend. I'm not his friend just to get a part in his stupid movies. I mean, really, give me a break. Right. His movies yeah. aren't stupid. They're good movies, actually. So I think that Wyatt Walter is probably going to be like one of the next big it young kid stars. I think so, too. He was magnificent in the film. And uh, you know the story, right? The, st the story of what? Of Wyatt Walter? 
No, the story of Nation's Fire. I don't. I don't really know what the story. So I read just what I've read on IMDb because there's no press coming out for that yeah, yet. Are you allowed to, to release talk, it? Are you allowed to talk about it? Well, it's, well, it's about uh, it's about a marine who um, has to help a woman who's Krista, Krista Grata, uh, who's seeking revenge for the death of her son, and that's basically what it's about. But there's a lot of great, great people in it. I'll tell you, just. I mean, I, I, I was so impressed who, who um, uh, Thomas got to be in that movie. He must have screwed a lot of people. <laughs> so, okay, so now you've got, I mean, you, you've got all kinds of great projects coming out. You've worked with Betty Davis. You've worked with all these people. So who's on your bucket list? Who have you, who's on your bucket list of, oh, my God, I'd really like to work with these, like maybe this male and this female that you haven't had a chance to work with yet? Um, I would love to work with James Cagney. Oh, wow. That that would be tough. That's okay. (laughs) I didn't say they had to be alive or dead. (laughs) No, the person I want to work with is Tom Hardy. I am crazy. wow. He is such a chameleon. I think he is a better actor than Marlon Brando, who I knew very, very well. Um, As a matter of fact, I just got kicked off of jury duty last week. I was on jury duty for two days and then the uh, judge it was a murder trial and the murderer was in the courtroom and it was for murder and attempted murder and they picked me to be juror number five and I still have the badge with me here somewhere but anyway um, I was on the jury for uh, about two and a half days but then the judge asked if uh, any of us had been in a murder trial before and I raised my hand and I said, yes, I was in the Christian Brando murder trial. I was his fiance. And, um, and then they Wait asked me. Wait a minute. Hold I, it. Hold it. You were, you were his fiance? Yes, I was did, for many did you, years. Did you know that my nephew's mother was married to him? Mary. Mary Brando. Brandon. Mary Brando. Yes. She was married to him. I came after Mary. Okay, because uh, Anthony is her son, and he's my nephew. I did not know that. Yeah, Mary Brandon. She was married to Marlon for Marlon's son, not Marlon to Christian. Brando. To Christian, yeah. Right? And he and what the sister got killed or something? What was the deal? I forgot yeah, what the story it, was. Uh, it happened May 16, nineteen ninety, at my house. As a matter of fact, a Christian had gone to have dinner <clears throat> with his sister up the street at Musso and Frank's. Yeah. And he came home and he was drunk out of his mind. And he said that his sister was being beaten, beaten, beaten by this guy, Dad Grolet, her her, right. her fiance. And so he was uh, going up to Marlon's house. And uh, my mother was in the house with me. We were in the kitchen. And Christian was just out of his mind, uh, drunk. And he was so out- outrageously furious that uh, Cheyenne was being beaten because she was eight months pregnant. So right. I, I ran downstairs with Christian at the time to check on um, uh, Cheyenne because she was in the truck with him. Yeah. So she seemed okay to me. She just kept saying, I'm so cold. I'm so cold. <clears throat> excuse, excuse me. <clears throat> so I ran upstairs and I went and got her a jacket to put over her to keep her warm. And then uh, Christian never came home that night. And the next morning, his best friend, Bill Cable, called me. And he said, are you standing up? And I said, where's Christian? He didn't come home. And he said, sit down. And I said, I am sitting down. And he said, Christian Brando is in jail for murder. 
Woo! And Bill Cable said, I thought it was you that was murdered. I thought he killed you. Wow. I'm glad he didn't kill you. I'm sorry he killed the other one. But, yeah, Mary told us that story years ago. Actually, yeah. it's my my great-nephew is her son, Anthony. My nephew was Billy Schurz, and uh, she, Billy and, and Mary were married and had Anthony. Right. So. What a small world, though. How is oh, it that we would like that would like come up? I mean, yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> well, it's six degrees of separa separation. Separation, yeah. You have really led a fascinating life. You and Ron both have led really fascinating lives with interacting with such wonderful, cool people. You know, lots of highs, lots of lows. But I mean, you've really, really, really like you know had why? an accomplished because life. Because her personality and my personality are the same. We are dipsy at times. We're very smart at times, and we are very pleasurable. And people like us. They're not afraid of us. We don't intimidate people. Yet we look good, and people like to be around beautiful and handsome people. They like that. And we don't make them feel like they're ugly. <laughs> I would never do that anyway. I'm from Canada. We don't work that way. No. You're just a sweetie pie. You're just like a wind-up, not a wind-up, like a Barbie doll. You want to put you on a shelf and look at you and smile all day. You're just a sweetie girl. I mean, really and truly. We've got one minute. So, everybody, listen. This is Laureen Landon. You can follow her on Twitter. It's at Laureen Landon, L-A-U-R-E-N-E-L-A-N-D-O-N. -E -E she does her own tweets. She's fabulous. Do you have a fan page on Facebook? Um, please don't go to me on Facebook because I have 5,000 followers and 5,000 people that want to be friends. So, please only follow me now on I'm brand new at Instagram, but I do respond to people on Instagram, so please follow me there. And I do respond to people there, but, um, and uh, also on Twitter. I'd also like to talk about this movie that I have coming up that I'm filming. It's a you got to hurry. Fabulous. You got to hurry. We got like a minute. Okay. It's, um, it's by Chuck France, and it's called Soros Way. And uh, Ben Lawson wrote the movie. And it, it's about a former musician woman, me, who embarks on this journey to confront her estranged daughter that she, after she, I received very bad news about uh, my life, I, I, I end up in the hospital. Laureen, so Laureen, wait, Laureen, 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 we're going to bring you back. When are you shooting it? Uh, sometime uh, early February. All right, Sam, when, when you're ready for let's that, we'll bring, bring you back and promote the actual and then you're film. Gonna, yeah, you're going to promote the film. Maybe you'll give us a trailer, and we'll push, push, push in the bush for you. Oh, oh sure. it's, it's, gonna, it's, the, it's the, one of the greatest roles I've ever played. And uh, Chuck France, uh, the cinematographer, can, can make a movie, uh, and, and you don't even have to have any dialogue. That's how gifted the cinematographer is. But the, All the right. writer, Ben Okay, Lawson, hold on. So everybody, this is Lorraine Landon. I'm sorry, Lorraine. We got to go because we went we'll two minutes over. We'll, we'll have you back. We love sure. you. Everybody love follow you. Lorraine Landon. Yes. Check out her on IMDB and watch all her films. We love you and we'll see you soon. I'll let you know about I'll let you know about Hanukkah. Bye. Bye, everybody. We'll see, we'll see you December 1st. Okay. Yes. Bye. Bye beautiful See one. everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Chat room, Illy, Hannah, B. Claudie. Dave, Eileen, everybody in the chat room, thanks so much, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye! Bye, -bye. Always have the clothes of Jimmy.